again. Hey, um, so just just a reminder, just a reminder, um, the next couple chapters, starting from last week to what we're in now, is the last, you know, like 36 hours of Jesus' life, just to keep that that weight there. Um, but before we get into chapter 14 today, I wanted to... Um, I wanted to read something from our friend Paul. My friend Paul, I don't know if you know who Paul is, but he is the one that went to persecute um, a bunch of Christians, right, and ended up meeting Jesus on the road, you know what I'm saying, and encountering Jesus on the road, and told, like he ended up writing like 90% of the New Testament, right? But these are, these are words that are from Paul. In Romans, Romans chapter 15, 13, it says, Now may God, the inspiration and the fountain of hope, Fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with this superabundance until you, you radiate with hope. We have the Holy Spirit to give us hope in those moments that just seem like it's the darkest. Right? And may and this this is a prayer of Paul and the prayer of ours. And it was really the prayer of Jesus in these last 36 hours for his disciples at the time, for those 12 men that were around him, that they would not be hopeless in this season because they're about to see something and experience something that they didn't think would happen. Like even to this point, they're just like, they couldn't wrap their mind around the fact that Jesus is about to die, right? Even though Jesus clearly said, like he's, hey, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to be gone. And where I'm going, you cannot go. But I know you may be sitting here, and you may feel abandoned, hopeless, and lost. And you're trying to get somewhere where it just seems like it's, not, like it's impossible to get there. Trust in the Spirit. Trust in the Spirit that can bring you and radiate hope within you. Because you choose hope. You know that, right? Like you, choose, like you can't maybe necessarily choose the situation that you're in right now, but you can choose your mindset and your outlook. You can choose that. You can choose to have hope or you can choose to live, continue to live in despair. That is up to you, but you have the spirit that will ignite that hope if that's what you so wish. But I remember talking about getting to a place um, where it seems like impossible for you to get out of. Um, I remember several years ago, we were a young family, me, Brittany, and Zane. Lyric wasn't born yet. Um, and we got a special trip um, from a, f- a friend of ours who's here today, Joe. I don't know if Joe remembers this, but I don't know if he had some points built up or whatever, but we went and stayed at Myrtle Beach for a week on Joe's point dime, okay? Um, and they were there for the first couple of days, um, and then they left, and we were there to our own, on our own. And um, it got to be Thursday night. We were going to be leaving Friday, and I was like, I better just check the bank account. And I don't even know if Joe knows this. But we were in the hole while we were at Myrtle Beach. How in the world are we going to get back home? How in the world, like we in that moment, I felt hopeless. Like as a man, not knowing how I'm going to get my family back home. I mean, I was hopeless. Not like I, I felt hopeless because we didn't know a way to get to where we needed to go. And that's, in a lot of ways, where the disciples find themselves today, right? The disciples felt the same way at this point in their journey, and Jesus, and Jesus knew that they did. 
By the way, I made it back, obviously. Okay, just to be clear, I made it back. We walked for several miles. <laughs> Luckily, Brittany, Brittany was going to get a payday that Friday, and, but they didn't do a direct deposit, and we just called them and said, hey, can you run that to the bank so that we can get home? And they're like, yeah, because we need you at work tomorrow. Um, but he told them, he, Jesus is telling his disciples, and I'm about to leave you, I'm, I'm about to die, and he won't be able to go with me now. But one day you will be with me, right? You can't go now, but one day you will be with me. In fact, he says it like this in John 14, 1. It says, don't worry or surrender to your fear, because he just told them, I'm about to leave you. For you've believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. My Father's house has many dwelling places. If it were, not, if it were otherwise, I would tell you plainly, because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. And if he's going to go prepare a place for us to rest, then we know that we're going to get there one day. Because I don't know about you, but I ain't going to make a bed for you if you're not coming. You know what I'm saying? It says, and when everything is ready, when? When everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. So he just told them, I'm coming back to take you. Right? And you already know the way. Because he just said, I am coming back to take you. And you already know the way to the place where I am going. Now, we know what, we know what Jesus is saying here. Right? Because we're 2,000 plus years removed from the situation. Right? But my question is, do we believe it? Do we really believe that Christ, one, has gone to prepare a place for us, which has hope, gives us hope, right? Because I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired of living in this world. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying somebody come off me. I'm just saying, like, I'm tired of the struggle. So the hope that I have is that he has prepared a place, a place I don't have to prepare for. Like, he, like that's how great our God is, is that he prepared a place. And all he did, and like he even provided the way. You with me? He made the payment. But the question is, the question is this, the question is this. Because I don't, I don't want to get way off track. All right? Do we believe it or do we allow our doubts in our current situation override the promise and the faith that one day he, that one day he will return to take us there? Like, let me say this. There's nothing wrong with doubt. Your brother has some doubts. You know what I'm saying? Like, they rise up sometimes. But do I allow the doubt to override my faith? Do I allow the doubt to override and, re- and forget that I forget to remember where he was faithful to me in the past? Because if you have some doubts that arise, that's fine. But look back at the last time that you knew God moved in your life and go, like, I don't know what you're trying to do to me, Satan, but I remember this. I remember when this happened in my life and God came through We will be with him one day. Jesus is telling us, we, like, we already know the way. It's, and it's faith in him. It's faith in him. Faith in his promise. Faith in his word. Because he is a man of his word. We should have done that song today, and we didn't. His promises, he's his faithful to his word. His prom- promises and his words are like our GPS to getting us where we are going. 
It's, uh, it's his words and promises that give us hope to sustain us for today. That's why the psalmist wrote in Psalms 119-105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Because everything hinges on his word. His words bring life and death. His word, his word brings blessings and curses. His word is everything. If he stopped speaking words, the world would cease to exist. He is a creator of all things. He is a creator of everything. He is the one who literally with words spoke creation into existence and spoke life into your body. And he wants to come back and, re- and return and take you to where he is. But when the path seems dim, it's his words or his promises that guide us and nothing else. Not current climate, cultural climate, not what the media says, not what governments said. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on or what country you're from, your government doesn't lead you or guide you or sustain you. But honestly, honest Thomas feels our pain. You with me? Honest Thomas, like he's, he has a, a sense of reality a little bit, a little bit of a heart saying. He tells, he tells Jesus that we need a road map. We need a road map. We need to know where, where you're going so that we can get to this place that you're preparing for us. And let me, let me show you how he says it. Thomas says it like this. He says, Master, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way there? And Jesus is like, I can't remember. Jesus is going to be like, like, how long must I be with you? <laughs> Have you not paid attention? But what's, you, what's Jesus' response? Jesus explained, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the roadmap to eternity. I am the roadmap to the promise. No one comes next to the Father except through union or faith in me, with me. To know me is to know the Father too. To know me is to know the Father too. And it's like this. I'm going to say it like this. Knowing the way to go is found in who you know. Knowing the way to go is found in who you know. Jesus here eliminates all other beliefs when he says, I am the way, the only way, the truth, and the life. He eliminates all other beliefs, all other so-called paths to enlightenment. Jesus is saying, I am the only one who can take you there. Buddha couldn't do it. Confucius couldn't do it. Gandhi couldn't do it. Allah couldn't do it. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. In fact, Acts 4.12 says this, There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation. It's the name of Jesus. And that name is the only way that you can make it to eternity. Well, dear God, I know if I agree with that. Well, somebody's wrong, and I'm going to say it's you. Okay? This is probably going to make some people mad, but I'm just going to say it. Your dreams can't save you. New world thoughts or the new age movement can't save you. The government can't save you. No matter how accepting you are or are not, it won't save you. Salvation comes through faith alone and Christ alone and no one else. There is no other name under heaven with the power to save but Jesus. And no, I am not sorry for saying that at all. Well, Derek, what about all these other, like, I had somebody tell me one time, 
But they, they seem so authentic in their faith. Well, they're authentically wrong. They're so sincere. Great. Maybe they need to turn their sincerity the other direction. <laughs> but I love you enough to tell you he is the only way to be saved. No other name under heaven which man must be saved. And everything else is a lie straight from Satan. John goes on to say this. He says, and from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. This is Jesus talking. Now, Philip, we don't hear a lot from Philip, but this is one time that we hear Philip. Philip says this, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be all that we need. Like, Philip, 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 where have you been the last three years? Like the whole last three years, Jesus has been like, me and my Father are one. What I do, the Father does. I'll do nothing apart from the Father, and the Father does nothing apart from me. For I am in the Father, and he is in me. Philip's not, like, not been taking... Anyways, listen to what Jesus replied. Philip, I've been with you all this time, and you still don't know who I am? I wonder how many of us, he would say, Jesus would say that to us. You've been, you've been claiming to be my follower all these years, and you still don't know my character who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me and that I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own, but come from my Father, for he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live so one believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of my mighty miracles that I have done. If you don't believe me, just believe the works that I'm done, I've done in your life. All right? I tell you this timeless truth. The person, the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father. I go to be with my Father. This is a second promise. This is a second promise found in this chapter. The first one is, you remember, I go to prepare a place. The second one is, but while you're living here, I'm, I'm, in, I'm giving you power. Power to do what? To, to perform miracles, to see mighty works, to do great things while you're still living as believers, we will see mighty works done in our lives and through our lives. Why? Because he promised it. And all he asks for us to do is believe. We will see miracles. We will see the spirit move. He tells us, he tells us how in a minute. But know that right now you have the power to, to, to raise the dead, to, 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 heal, to, to heal the sick. You have the power to see the lost saved. You have the power, like, you have the power right now to see your community, your lives forever changed. He promises that. He goes on to say this, he says, For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. I will do it for you. Now, I want to be really clear, really clear, because for years, some of us have prayed and tagged Jesus at the end of our prayers, right? We'll say a bunch of words, and we'll say, in Jesus' name, we pray, amen, right? 
Because we're thinking, man, if you said he said if I ask it in his name, um, it'll happen. And what and what this means is we ha- we we should pray in accordance to his character, not ours, nor our wants. In my name means in my that, something that aligns with my characters. Our our prayers should match Christ's nature. He doesn't care if you get the front row parking space. But what he does care about is seeing the spirit move in the lives of people that are around you. What he what he what he what's in his nature is to see the sick healed. What's in his nature is to see the poor fed. And the widow's taken care of. Those are the things that are in Christ's nature. Not that that bill's cheaper next month than this month. Tracking? So, I mean, you can keep tagging Jesus into your prayers when you want to pray for something that you want. That's fine. But just know that in his name means in his character and nothing else. Nothing else. He goes on to say, Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. That's hard. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, and the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him, but you know him intimately because he remains with you and will live inside of you. Love empowers obedience. If you truly love Christ, if you truly want to give him all praise, you will live in obedience to his commands. Derek, I don't know if I agree with that. Like this is 20, I got somebody told me not too long ago, well, this is 21st century, Derek. Well, truth is truth no matter what time period it's in. If it what was true then and not true now, then it was never true to begin with. You with me? Because truth never changes. One plus one will always equal two. You with me? But another Savior is the Holy Spirit. Some translations say counselor, some translations say comforter, some say advocate. But in the Greek, the word is parakletos, which means one called to stand next to as a helper. So you have a helper, the helper to see you do some mighty works. But I love the Aramaic text. The Aramaic text uses the word paraclita, which means, you ready for this? I think, Mike, you might like this one. A redeemer who ends the curse. You know you have a curse in your life to be able, like the curse is so you don't see God moving in your life. But that curse has now been removed through the Holy Spirit to where you can see God move. But sometimes we still have blinded eyes because we choose not to see what the Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit lifts the curse off us so that we can see what God is doing around us. The Holy Spirit guides us. He advocates for us. That's part of lifting the curse is now when we didn't have an advocate, we do now. But we'll read more about him in a minute. about to read about another promise. Ready? I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to him. Let's pause right here just for a second. Those moments that you feel alone, you're not. When you feel like you're going, through, you're the only one going through this situation, no one else knows how you feel, you have the spirit there. That's why I love 
when the Bible says that even when we don't know how to pray, that the Spirit, Spirit prays on our behalf. Because we're not alone. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. I will come back to you. Soon I will leave this world and they will see me no longer, but you will see me because I live again and you will come alive too. So even if you die in this world, there's gonna be a day when you are resurrected with him and you will have that body that you always wanted, y'all. Six pack, muscles. (laughs) Wrong six pack, Joe. So when that day comes, you will know that I'm, I am living in the Father and that you are, are one with me, for I will be living in you. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be, passionate, uh, will, will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love you in return and will, will manifest my life within you. I think, do you not want to see Christ's life just manifest in you? Like just the outpouring of just, cra- like it seems crazy to the world, right? The one, then one of the disciples named Judas, not Judas Iscariot, because he's already gone. Remember, he w- went to go get his 30 pieces of silver to come show him Jesus, right? Not even gold, y'all. It was silver. Like, come on now, Ju- Judas Iscariot. There's my anger coming back up again. Remember last week? I said, anyways. Judas, not, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, why is, it, why is it you will only reveal your identity to us and not to everyone? This is a great question. This is a great question. All right? Verse 23, this is Jesus' response. Loving me empowers you to obey my words. And my Father will, never, my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. He needs a dwelling place of obedience. Walking in love. The world can't do that. But once you have him, he will reveal himself to you like you've never seen anything before. Because love for Christ is proven and demonstrated by our obedience to all that he says. You want to see the spirit move? Start walking in obedience. If he says, fall to your face, fall to your face. If he says, stand up and walk, stand up and walk. If he says, stand and be still, stand and be still. If he says, go talk to that person, go talk to that person. If he says, go hug that person, go hug that person. Who cares about COVID? It'll all be taken care of. If you die, you'll go to heaven. If you live, yeah, just keep walking. Be obedient to what he says for you to do. Be obedient. Well, that's not what everybody else is doing. It's okay. He called many people in the Bible to do a lot of things different than everybody else in the world. Love for Christ is proven and demonstrated by our obedience to all that he says. For some of us, we're going to have to start walking upstream. Walking against the current uh, current culture of our cultures and push of our, of our world around us and just keep pushing because our prize is waiting there. He says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Our prize is ready. He's waiting for you to get ready to walk in obedience. Here's what Jesus goes on to say. He says, but those who don't love me 
will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. I am telling you this while I am still with you. That when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. Well, Dick, I don't know if I have if I have the answer. A lot of people start asking me questions. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like, like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. Well, Derek, what if they ask me a question? I don't know. Let me read it again. When the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free will teach you all things in my name. What if I don't know what to do? He will teach you all things in my name. Well, Derek, what if I just don't, uh, what if I'm not, I don't, I don't even know the first step that I'm supposed to take. He will teach you all things in my name. And he will inspire you to remember every word that I have told you. Have you ever been one of those moments where you are talking to somebody and you bring up this sentence and you're like, I didn't even know I remembered that. <laughs> you ever done that? Spirit. I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. And that be courageous, you can be, there's not a really good translation into the English for that. But what that means is dig in with your nails. Like hold on tight scratch and claw your way through this world but do it fearlessly I have this I have this sign hanging up in my house that says be afraid and do it anyway love it don't let fear override your faith keep moving remember what I've told you that I must go away but I promise to come back to you so if you truly love me, you'll be glad for me, since I'm returning to my Father who is, who is greater than I. So when all of these things happen, you will still trust and cling to me. I won't speak with you much longer. Can you imagine being a disciple sitting here in this moment, still not totally getting it? You're going to say, I won't speak to you much longer. Like they've hung on every word of Jesus, Jesus for the last three and a half years. I will not speak with you much longer for the ruler of, of this dark world is coming. I love Jesus. But he has no power over me for he has nothing to use against me. If you, if you are in Christ, he has nothing to use against you. Your past has been wiped away. Why he keeps bringing that up, I don't know. But he has nothing on you. You are clean. That's why I, like, I think of it as a court system, right? Your record has been wiped. I love it. He says, he has no power over me, for he has nothing to use against me. That's why, if you remember, Jesus said, I, no one takes my life from me. I hand it over. Willingly hand it over. Satan will think he's doing a great thing. We're doing a good thing, or do, or whoever he has won, but one here we know here in a little bit, he just raises from the dead, forever defeating the enemy. He says, I am doing exactly what the Father destined for me to accomplish, so that the world will discover how much I love my Father. Here's Jesus' four words.
your four words. He's saying to you, now come with me. Are you ready to come with him? Are you ready to go with him? We have a hope. The reason that we can keep going in this world is because he has prepared a place for us. So no matter what we face, no matter what the enemy throws at our face, because if you're doing what God wants you to do, you're going to have some struggles. You're going to have some. You're going to have some things throw up in your face. You're going to have some things that happen in your life. You're just like, why? But you've got to keep hope in the right place. No matter. That's why I get so jealous when I go to graveyards. I'm like they're there, they're face to face. Jesus. They've reached the thing they've hoped for their whole life. Being in the presence. Being in that place he has prepared. We were talking about it out here today. Like when I was a teenager, scared to death to die in a painful way. There's still part of me that when I think about death, you know that little like throw up feeling? Like, what you get? There's still part of me, but there's part of me that goes, oh, but that day is going to be so sweet. It's just like that. We'll be like this to Jesus. And then I want to slowly bend down and lay my crown at his feet to say, I don't deserve it. And he'll pick me up and say, but you are my child. This is the thing that I've prepared for you. Now go. Now come with me. I can imagine us turning, him turning and us walking through the gate. Open that gate that Peter's at, and I, so I can be like, "What's up, Peter?" You know, but so I put my foot in my mouth a lot too. Peter did. There's a place that he's prepared for you. Do not lose hope in this world, no matter how bad it gets. In fact, if you lose hope, the world is doomed. Because how do, how does the world know that you, there is something else outside of you being that? light of hope in your community. Be that hope where you live, work, and play. Live in a way that shines hope. That's why I love working in the school system, as bad as it gets sometimes. I love walking up in there, and these kids don't even know half the time that I'm praying for them. Demon, get out of this kid. your life. Find some way of sharing your hope and life with somebody around you. You don't need me to do that. You've got the Spirit in you. And He will teach you everything that you need to know. He will remind you of everything that He, he wants you to say. Even if you stutter a little bit, it's okay. You are the beacon of hope in this world. The only hope this world has. It's Paul would say, I fill up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. What he means is, I'm going to go share this hope. The God, we want to thank you so much for being a God who gives us something to hope for. That your kingdom one day will come. That your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You said that you would give us our daily bread, that you forgive us for our trespasses and sins. We thank you for that, God. 
And may we leave here in constant hope, knowing that no matter what we face when we walk out these doors, we know that the best is yet to come, that you've prepared something for us that's so much better, more than we could think, dream, or imagine. Because you are a God of hope. You are the God of the promise. And you've never backed down from your word. You've never retreated. Everything that you said you will do, you have done. And so if you say you've gone to prepare a place, I've known that you're, I know that you're going to prepare a place. And that place you made just for me. And whether my day is tomorrow or 10 years down the road, God, may I live with hope. May I be a beacon to our community. And I pray this in your name. I love you guys. Thank you, Joe. Love you guys. Mean it. Now leave in hope and see you next week.